0: Every single one of you that told me that I was doing too much, that I needed to take a break, stop burning the candle at both ends, y'all were right. Influenza A gotcha girl good. And today is the first day in 7 that I am a functioning member of society again so naturally i'm here podcasting with y'all because i do i miss you guys i feel like when i'm not sharing my story that i just i don't know it just feels so good to share it feels so good to be on the mic and reflecting back on where i was when i first started i i hated sitting down at this mic alone i swear to god you guys i would be like okay, do my ritual, make sure I have my water, make sure I have this, it's all the sounds off? Like, it was crazy, but I was really doing everything I could in my power to procrastinate hitting record. Anyways, I don't know about you, but sending music is a love language. One that I fully adopt as my own. So we have Another than the very handsome, very sexy Italian Batman to thank for the serendipitous send of a classic song inspiring the title of this episode. Nancy Sinatra singing Bang Bang, My Baby Shot Me Down, as I timelined this episode out, seemed almost satirical to the narrative evolving on my screen. The Mindfuck You and I we'll experience in this episode isn't for the week. Or actually, maybe it is. Maybe it only works on the week. And that is definitely something to ponder. One thing's for sure, it was completely intentional pain at the hands of someone I love and foolishly trusted. And I know I'm not alone when I say, that happened and it sucks, but we're better for it, right? He didn't even say goodbye. He didn't take the time to lie. Bang. Bang. I'm your host, Amanda Arnier, and this is the Dichotomy Diaries. Let's dive in. So, where'd we leave off? Oh, yeah, that's right. I was in my zone, out in the grass grounding myself with a lovely popsicle reading a book just having some me time when I came inside to find my husband had abandoned me for I don't know are you guys keeping count I'm not sure I think maybe this is the eighth time the eighth time yeah so that's fun um so let's just pick right back up there So he was gone and I couldn't figure out how he had, I I guess like how he had ran away. Cause I'm like, my Jeep's here. Did someone pick him up? Like, did I not hear like an Uber come and like scoop him? It was all just really weird and I couldn't figure it out. But of course he had like turned his location off and all of that. Well, I think that I probably had hit all the stops. And what I mean by that is like, oh, okay, let me send him a message on Instagram, Facebook Messenger, Snapchat, all the ways. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Please don't do this again. Of course, just in complete terror mode. And I want to say that like probably 45 minutes or so later, his location popped up again and he was at Midway Airport which is about an hour away from where my dad lives where we were living at the time and I'm just like I, I don't know I guess in all of these moments I'm always so shocked that's happening again and I'm disgusted and I'm embarrassed but I was more so confused because I'm like now we're in Illinois and like who is his ally here that is like helping him escape here and like why like why would you just I I I don't know I've given him so many opportunities to like on the front end be like I need to go and then go and truthfully had he ever tried that no I had found out that actually one of his uh financial submissives lives in Illinois pretty far from my dad's house too And that he had, um, I guess, given him a call and said, I need you to come to this address. So giving this person my father's home address, this person came, parked down the street, and he walked out. He got in his car, and this man drove him to Midway Airport to run away from me. So he says that he's going to Las Vegas to work and make money because he's so distracted living in my dad's house there's five great danes there there's too many people he can't focus and he really just needs to make money because if if he is going to get us out of the hole that he's put us in he needs to do something about it so he's making this abandonment seem like not an abandonment and seem like it's noble which I also think he has kind of done in the past, but not as directly as this time. So I'm like, what work can you do in Las Vegas that you can't do here? Because everything you're doing is virtual, right? Like there's no in-person meetups or anything. And he's like, oh, well, so actually I hired a media company. And I'm like, what? What? what the fuck do you mean? You hired a media company. We have no money. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, Ryan Pineda. And I'm like, come again. Like, I don't know who the fuck is this person, you know? Okay. So he's like an Instagram guy who helps people create click funnels. Like, I don't know the consultant we paid before that he didn't do the work for thus no click funnel being created. So now he's, he has told me now he's paying this man, his media company, $7,000 to create Instagram reels to drive traffic. And I'm like, Dick, um, like that all sounds all good and, and great, but like, what are you selling? And he's like, well, it's like lifestyle. Lifestyle what? Your lifestyle sucks. We're poor. We're homeless. Our marriage is in shambles. What possibly could you be peddling to people on the internet in hopes that they will purchase something that you don't even have from you? And he's like, "They're going to help me figure it out." I'm like, "Okay, seven thousand dollars. It's wild. There's so many things. Seven thousand dollars at this point in time could have like completely, fully covered if not two things." And um. And I'm just like, all right, so you're, you're going to create some reels that don't have any purpose. You're not selling anything. You're going to basically be lying to everybody on your reels about how you have it all together and that they should pay you to help them get it all together. And it was the biggest crack of shit that I have ever heard in my life. But he won't listen to my advice. And he says, well, I have to be in Vegas to record. Okay. All right the The real reason that he wanted to do this was because he wanted to be able to brush shoulders with Ryan Paneda. He wanted to be in the room with someone who was seriously super wealthy because what he th- has always said, and what he has always thought is, if I'm in the room with those people, then I have a better chance at becoming one of those people. Well, not if you don't have a game plan, you can't just go in flashing your veneers and think that, like, oh yeah, Let me just take him under my wing. Like, no. Absolutely not. But I digress. So he says that he's going to be coming home after he records. He's sending me texts, you know, throughout the days. I love you. You're wonderful. And mind you, he actually is, he's at Matt's house again. He's staying at Matt's house. And from what it looks like when he's camming, because he's online camming still is that he's like setting up the room, like changing the room around, making it like his, which is crazy, right? Because you're only going to be there for a week. Why are you moving stuff around? Kind of fishy. I think that maybe he thought that like his location was not on, but actually I'm not sure. It may have not been on from his phone, but In previous weeks, he had convinced me to buy him an Apple Watch and put it on our cell phone plan. And so I did, of course, whatever makes Dick happy. And his location was being shared from his Apple Watch, which I don't think he had figured out how to turn off yet. So I can see his location. He says he's in Vegas and that he's going to be recording. And his location is at the Vegas airport. And I'm just like chomping at the bit I'm like where are you going you going to Hawaii you going to Boston where are you going and he takes off and he lands in San Francisco so San Francisco is another kind of like frequented place for him to meet up with Hawaii sugar daddy because Hawaii sugar daddy does business in San Francisco okay I don't say anything I I truthfully I was just like at least I can see where he is and like at least if I know that he's there like Those are just things that I know. And just having information and knowledge on where my husband was at was the only thing that I was grasping onto at this point. So I think that what really made me say something was that I saw that he was in Sausalito, which is like my favorite place in California. And I was like, why the fuck are you in Sausalito? His first reaction. How the fuck do you know where I'm at? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, why are you in Sausalito? oh, I'm with Hawaii Sugar Daddy. I'm using him so that he can buy me clothes and trying to get some cash out of him. It's all business. And I go, okay, bring me back a sweatshirt. And he goes, okay, baby, I promise I will. That was like one of those moments where I was like, I'm not fighting. I'm not fighting. So I didn't fight. He did actually give me a sweatshirt. And I still have it, which is crazy because it's like the one time he said he was going to do something and he actually did it. Meanwhile... Back at home, again, we were living with my dad and my stepmom and my brother and his girlfriend was there sometimes, but if Dick isn't there, they're kind of like, well, where is he? And we talk, all of us talk every day. And so I'm getting questions. Where's Dick? And I go, oh, he went to Las Vegas for work, so I'm covering for him because he tell- he's telling me he's coming back. So why wouldn't, why would I cause like unnecessary just drama, you know? When's he coming back? Oh, well, he has to record this week and it'll probably be like five days. Okay. Seems pretty like drastic. I don't remember him saying that. And I'm like, no, no, no. I knew. I, I knew about it. Okay. So a few days pass. I actually, I ended up going to this like tulip grove um I think it's maybe like Richardson, Richardson's or something um it's really pretty and there's just like fields and fields of tulips and I went by myself I had been asking him to take me for weeks because the tulips were in season and they were about to like just not be in season anymore and I'll die off and I'm like I'm gonna go by myself every single time I go to do something like this by myself that I had asked him to take me I feel proud of myself that I made it there and I'm doing something alone, but being there doesn't feel good, and I just find that a lot of these experiences that I wanted to have that would seem like great, very fun, and like magical spring, summertime experiences just continuously are ruined because he's not there and I'm alone. It was just... um. I don't know, being like the solo chick in a field of flowers with a bunch of couples and families wearing, you know, my wedding ring and I'm just alone taking pictures of myself, it felt like pathetic to me and um, almost like self-deprecating, so I took some pictures and I actually went home, I wasn't there long at all, so he says, That he recorded and that he is going to be coming home tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. And he doesn't go to the airport in the morning. And then he ignores me for a whole day. I freak out, of course. And I'm like, why do you do this to me? And he's like, I just, I'm having a really hard time coming home. No shit. Like, I'm having a really hard time being your wife. How about that? I think that I went and did some retail therapy, and I went and I bought some books um, from Borders. I bought a book, and actually I, I wrote myself like a little time capsule note on the inside of it, and it's something that I look at to this day that kind of encapsulates exactly where I was and what I needed in this moment. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, Dear Self, I know you're hurting right now. I know you feel like giving up. You feel so deeply. And while it may feel like a curse, never apologize for loving and feeling so deeply. You are special. God gave you this life and these experiences because he knows you can handle them. Even when the world feels like it's closing in, and you have no one to hug you, remember that you have God. You have you. What an amazing gift you are to this world and this life. Anyone who throws you away is only doing themselves a disservice. You are love. And I signed it. Love, Amanda. Um, yeah, that's rough to read. Um, I don't know how else really to put it. Uh, I just felt like I was constantly trying to remind myself day in and day out that everything that I was doing was going to pay off in some way. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know if that looked like I would have my family that I always dreamed of and and was kind of promised, or if I was going to end up alone again and, everything that I had worked so hard for was going to be a waste, but I tried to remain optimistic and always kind of take note of where I was at and how I was feeling because I knew if I was, if I knew one thing was for sure is that I was going to look back at this time and it was going to be very pivotal and also very helpful for my future. So that, um, Yeah, that's sad. I feel sad. I feel sad for myself, and that's a hard thing for me to feel. I don't know if you guys really have um, gathered that so far, but I feel sad for my husband a lot throughout this narrative. I feel sad for our family, Um, but I, I never really feel sad for myself, and I'm not sure why that feeling is difficult for me um but i think that it's a defense mechanism and i'm trying to work through that so recognizing when i feel sad for myself i have been vocalizing it more so you may hear me say that a little bit more as of late so i think at this point my family is a little bit on edge um i'm really like losing weight drastically I'm not really eating and I'm not spending time like in the common areas of the house spending just a lot of time in my room um I'm not really socializing work is falling behind and I'm I'm stressed about that I My ethical and moral compass when it comes to saying that I'm working when I'm not is really, really fucked up. I wish it wasn't as crazy as it is because I know there's a lot of people who can be like, yeah, I'm logged in and I'm getting paid, but I, I do not like to lie to my employers. So, um, I was really, really struggling with being present for work when my actual present was just in ruins. I decided that I needed to go spend a little bit of time with my mom, and um, I actually went over to her house with the dogs, and again, it's summertime, my mom has a pool in the backyard. My dad does too, but you know, sometimes you just need your mom, and we were watching um, basketball on the projector outside, just kind of doing fun stuff to keep my mind off of everything, and actually, I don't think at this point my mom knew that he had left and abandoned me. I think I had also told her that he was coming back soon, so, um, yeah, I could see that there were a few things that I didn't really like that were going on in Las Vegas, so, again, he was supposed to be back already, and I did not have a timeline of when he would be back, so there was that question, and I felt uncomfortable with being questioned by my parents, because, again, like, They're letting us live rent free. And he had just pulled the stunt. And, you know, he's the reason why we're there. And on top of them. And now I can see that he's like paying women from our business account. And one of them, he paid like $350 to some woman. And I like questioned him about it. And he's like, Oh, I had to pay for Matt's housekeeper because I'm staying here. And I'm like, You're there for a week. Like, what do you mean? $350? Like, we don't have this kind of money and again it's from the business account so it's like shared and I don't know it it just everything is always so sketched when it comes to him because like do you believe him do you not believe him kind of like your fallback is to just to believe him so that you don't ruffle any feathers but everything feels wrong and your gut is telling you not to and that he's being deceitful in some way at some point during the next few days he tells me that you know um he doesn't want to be married and he actually did so in a rather long text message that I will read to you guys um it's one of the times you know he he didn't ever really like vocalize like all of his feelings too well um But this time I feel like he actually like hit the nail on the head with how he was feeling and I couldn't really like deny him that. So the message says, I know that we love each other a great deal, so it's hard to continue through this loop, but hopefully the loop can finally be closed today. In the past, you have never really respected my words when I say things or cared about how I feel, but are squarely focused on your feelings and getting your way as it pertains to our relationship." The reason I say that is if I tell you I don't want to be together, you basically ignore it or think I'm lying or simply try railroading your own wises onto the situation. This has happened again today as you booked a flight for me to come home that I didn't ask for. You are setting a timeline for how long I can be gone and that you need to have complete control of my location and calling and texting me so often that I haven't had an hour to myself except while I am asleep. I have always cared about you. And really have nothing negative to say about you. But I still do not want to stay married. I want to get divorced still and hope we can do it very peacefully and amicably because I have no ill will. Sorry, this is hard to read. <clears throat> and I have no ill will towards you at all. I actually hope for us to still be best friends and have each other's back. I am a very loving and giving man but I know this marriage is not the right thing for me. Thank you for being nice. So again, that was a shocker because I had bought him a flight. I think I actually forgot about that. I bought him a flight when he didn't get on his, he said that he had missed his. So I bought him one and I thought that I was doing something nice because I was like, okay, you said you're going to be back and I know money's tight. So I'm going to buy you the flight so you can come home. Like didn't seem like manipulative didn't seem like me trying to get my way it was just like that's what you do for your husband so again it was money I didn't have and I put it out and I'm just so spent you guys and um I think that I just replied back to this like that's who I am and if that's what you want then that's what you can have I don't know what else to say and I think that I just really ignored him for the rest of the day because he had sent that I want to say I think it was like early in the morning so the whole rest of the day I kind of just ignored the conversation and I was like okay maybe this is what's going to happen he's pretty like steadfast on what he wants and I can't keep fighting him on it and can't keep like telling him that he doesn't know and that things can be better like maybe things cannot be better and I'm starting to like accept this later on that night I start getting all of these text messages. I miss you. I've been missing you all day. Are you okay? I'm coming home. I'm at this point, you guys so confused because I'm like, now I'm not asking you to come home. And I'm saying like, whatever, whatever you want, like, just, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, I'm coming home. So it's like, do I just do the opposite to get what I want? It's very mind fuckery going on. I'm trying to keep my mind busy and because okay if he says he's coming home I get so fucking excited and I'm like things are gonna be good things are gonna be good and I think about it all day long and I don't really do anything I like nest and I make everything look super clean which is a huge 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 like trauma response to being abandoned um So I decided that I was going to go to the ranch and and ride horses with my stepmom and my dad. And that was good. I really like equine therapy and being outside. Again, no one knows what's going on. And so I'm afraid to say, oh, he's going to be home tonight because what if, again, he doesn't come home? Also, he said he wanted to get divorced. So like, is that still on the table? You just want to, you miss me, but you want to get divorced. I don't know. I can see that he's also liking a bunch of girls Instagram posts and that's bothering me um he had missed the flight that I booked and he said like okay I'm gonna book my flight now and I didn't respond and I think a few hours later I was like okay let me know send me the screenshot of your flight three hours later nothing I didn't respond and he sent a text and he was like I can feel your anxiety from here and I'm like like what like you know he knows how I'm feeling like there's some sort of like empathy there maybe not empathy but like he he knows what he's doing to me and he's like randomly I'm proud of you I'll see you tomorrow okay so he's not coming home tonight tomorrow all right gotcha I actually think that it was Mother's... Was it Mother's Day? Maybe that's right. My dad could tell that I was down, and my dad's so cute as a Great Dane dad, and, like, I'm a Great Dane mom, and that we have a connection through the Great Danes. Um, he got me a Happy Mother's Day card from my dogs, which made me feel happy and sad because my husband should be doing that for me, not my father, you know? Um... I know I went to the farmer's market with my mom, and that was nice but also sad because it's in my hometown in the downtown square, and it was always, it's always really embarrassing to be in your hometown um, when you moved away and your husband's not with you. Um, I feel like it's a magnifying glass and was always something that I really tried to avoid doing um, because it made me really uncomfortable and gave me a lot of anxiety but I was trying to just be present and out of the house and not on my phone and I remember being at the farmer's market having probably like a semi uh, panic attack and he started texting me and his text said I'm having a very hard time coming back I'm very nervous choosing you and being all in on our marriage when it's been so hard and there is no sign of it getting easier anytime soon. I don't want to have to manage your emotions so much. I have to always be reaffirming and reassuring you to the point where I am worried for no reason. But if I don't do it, I'm a bad husband. It just seems like such a heavy weight to carry and it's like, for what? Why are you so worried all the time? You worry about things to the cusp of sociopathy. You make me putting you at ease as a constant burden for me to bear, like I have to share in your worry and anxiety all the time. It falls on me to be much better about communicating and putting you at ease before instead of after you've been concerned already for hours. Then he's like, fuck, this sucks. I'm sorry for leaving you alone for 10 days. Some torturous fucked up shit. I care a lot. I just need to show and express it better. And I think that like just that string of text messages was enough to just blow me over the edge. And I told my mom that he left and that he abandoned me and that I had lied and said I knew about it because I was nervous. And I just broke down crying um, on my way back walking from the farmer's market. And so now you know, he's basically saying like me having feelings and me feeling any kind of way about him abandoning me is not okay. And that is not his job to make me feel better, even though he's the reason that I'm feeling sad. Um, he's not validating any of my emotions and basically saying like, it's too heavy of a burden. But then he's like, "Fuck, this sucks. Like, I'm sorry for leaving alone for ten days. Like, this is some torturous, fucked up shit. Like, he's owning that. So, that's super confusing. All in the same like thirty minute span. Um, I think there was minimal response back for me, and whenever there's minimal response back for me, he always talks more, right? So I think that that really like sparked him being like, "Oh shit." Like, I really have to, like, backpedal. He said, well, you can come here, and that's not unreasonable. But I think there's this notion of me needing to show face as a sign of good faith to your parents. And I'm like, I had told him that I was, like, covering for him, essentially. And he was like, thank you. Well, now I've told my mom. And I told him that I told my mom. I'm like, because this is just too much for me to handle. He's like, If I don't call you before bed, it's like I drown your dog. If I stop sharing my location, you go ballistic. I think that it shouldn't be this hard, Amanda. I think that it shouldn't be this hard to be married to your soulmate. There should be hard times for sure, but not mostly suffering. And I'm just like, how can you not see that you are the reason that we're suffering? (laughs) How can you not see it? The fact is is that he probably could see it he just didn't care and putting the blame on someone else other than himself is what he does best so that was um the up and down of that day and much more you know it's it's funny to summarize these moments because to me they seem so catastrophic like low-key feel like I want to cry right now talking about it because I remember how horrible it was for me because my life was it was just this big unknown and everything that was what I knew was unraveling at the seams and um it was like my reality was a mirage and I was grasping for it and it was just disappearing little by little um So I think I ended up getting back home. Um, One of the last things that he said before he got on the plane to come back was, I don't know how to reverse the hopelessness. And um, I think that that's a profound statement because it seems so easy for me to lay out what he should do to reverse the hopelessness for our life. But... For him, that what he wasn't the problem, and the problem was me. So it was just these, we're just butting heads all the time. It's, you know, it was toxic. That's what it was. <laughs> so he comes home, he flies in, and he gets, of course, a late flight. So I have to drive an hour to the airport to come pick him up. And me being me, Um, I welcomed him home with a welcome bag of his favorite candy and water bottle, fuzzy socks and jammies and kind of all of his favorite stuff in a bag. Again, it's like when you're abandoned, um, this overcompensation on the back end of the abandonment is real like you feel like you have to do everything possible you have to look your best you have to make sure that you're tanned and your legs are shaved and you just look amazing and you're happy when they see you and the house is clean and the sheets are clean like it's so overwhelming because like you didn't do I I didn't do anything to deserve being left or to feel like my regular self with no makeup and my hair tied was not worthy of my husband being around but that's what we do, I guess, when we're abused. So he was home for a few days. We played tennis and tennis is really like I say all the time, like it's like the happy moments, but really I think it's like the water treading moments. It's the moments where like we can kind of be and it's happy, but it's not happy. It's just like we don't have the phones by us and we're not fighting. So if that's what I equate with happiness, that's really sad But there's a lot of realizations kind of coming through, through this whole experience. Um, He tells me that we're going to go to EDC together for the second year. And this is the year that he has made sure that we have artist passes and that we're going to be helicoptered in. And he said that Matt has it all together and it's going to be amazing he is kind of like day-to-day stuff what's he doing he's not working because his computer actually is back in Vegas he didn't bring the computer back which I was like that's not okay with me because like wherever the computer is that's where his home is that's what I think and so he's just like gambling and working out he actually at dinner one night asked my dad if my dad could take us to the airport the following like the upcoming Thursday because we were going to be going to EDC. And my dad's like, okay, yeah, just let me know what time. But I knew that we didn't have flights. So I had asked him if he had bought the flights. And he said, no, he was waiting for them to come down. And he asked me, how much money do you have in your account? And I'm like, my stomach just drops because I know that this is a situation where he's going to be asking me to give it to him, to, to loan it to him. And I'm like, I have a thousand dollars, which I did have even a thousand dollars. And he said, okay, send me the money. I'm going to double it. I'll buy the plane tickets and then we can leave. We'll leave either tonight or tomorrow morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I'm excited because I'm thinking that he is like, he's planning this trip, right? We're going to go on the trip that we've been talking about. It was on our dream board. And I send him the money. He puts it into bed online and he loses my last thousand dollars in front of me. And he looks ashamed. I have no feeling about this. I remember just being numb and I'm like, figures. And I actually, I actually think I felt bad for him because I was like he really was trying to save the day there and he just completely like crapped out right in front of me. Normally, it's not in front of me, but it was in front of me. So he went downstairs in the basement to work out. And um, as I reflect on this day, this this was a this was a fucking crazy day, you guys. Um, I remember him being in the basement and I was actually working in the sunroom and I had heard him come upstairs and go to our room. And then he would go back down in the basement to work out and he had the music playing. So when he would go back down in the basement, I went up into our room and on our bed, there were bags out and I'm like, okay, like we're packing. So maybe he's figuring out plane tickets. Maybe he got those or whatever. And I look at the bags and they're like two of his bags and he's only packing stuff for himself. And it just gave me the most uneasy feeling because I'm like, well... I am I'm I'm coming like you know and so I got my bag out and I put it next to his and so then he came upstairs while I was still up there one time and I'm putting my stuff in my bag and I said do you want like what do you want me to help you pack and he's like no it's okay I got it and I remember turning around as he was in the doorway of our room and he kind of had his arms like up on the doorway And I just like looked at him and he's like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I'm not leaving you. I'm not doing this again. I hadn't said one word, but like just the look on my face could just express exactly how my body was feeling. Like I was going into the panic mode that my body remembered. Like my gut was telling me that he was going to leave again and I would not be going with. He's like, I'm not going to do it again okay, I trust you. He's like, why don't you go make us something to eat? Like, He's like, you need to eat, like gesturing, like my clavicle is like your skin and bones, like whatever. So um, I went downstairs and I think as I went downstairs, I saw him like going into the office and grabbing more of like his computer supplies, which to me would indicate that he was planning on staying in Las Vegas for a while. So why would he be bringing his computer stuff? Like that's where your computer stuff is where your home is and this is your home. Um, so yeah, um, just little things that you notice when this happens over and over again. So he comes downstairs into the kitchen and he actually has his bags like in each of his hands and they're all like packed up and he puts them on the floor in the kitchen and he leaned up against the counter opposite of me and he said looked me dead in the eyes, and he was like I'm going to Las Vegas for EDC and you're not coming with me I'm going alone and I'm like huh what do you mean and he's like I'm telling you for the first time up front and I'm not abandoning you I'm doing what you asked me to do but I'm going to EDC by myself And I'm going to have fun with my friends without you. And you're going to let me go. And that's that. And I'm like, okay, um, you just told me upstairs that that wasn't happening. And then now you're telling me that you're doing something that I asked you to do by telling me up front and that I should be happy with it. And I have to be okay with it. That was a mind fuck, you guys. I had asked him to tell me up front, and he's telling me up front, right? So I'm supposed to be happy. But why did he tell me 15 minutes ago that I was going? I just I just don't understand the mental warfare that this man like enjoyed playing with me. It, I don't know. I I remember begging him. Um, it kind of is all a little bit of a blur after this, but I remember begging him and being like, "No, like please, take me with you, please." And he's like, "No," and he actually showed me that like um, his ride was gonna be there like within the next 15 minutes. Um, my family wasn't home at this time; it was just us in the house, and I was super embarrassed because I know that there's, like, cameras outside of the house, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, he's, they're gonna be, he's gonna be on camera, like, with bags, like, leaving. Well, it actually is so much worse. Um, my dad and my stepmom and my brother and his girlfriend actually all got home at the exact same time, probably about five minutes after he told me that he was leaving me to go to EDC alone. And um, I had asked him to come out in the garage and talk with me in private, and so he did. And it was more of like a screaming-crying match than anything. I think my dad poked his head out was like, is everything good? And I'm like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Well, needless to say, his uh, fin sub, the Illinois douchebag, came again and picked him up this time literally dead smack in front of my father's house and left me in the street barefoot crying and drove off to the airport. He turned off his location and, um, I, <laughs> <laughs> It's just so sad you guys I remember turning around and walking back towards my father's house so ashamed and all of my family was around the island in the kitchen just kind of watching what had happened and um I was just I was hysterical I ran up to my bedroom and I slammed the door And I was shaking, it was like convulsing, and I just, I couldn't even speak. And my dad came in, and he was like holding me and like wiping the tears from my face. And um, he was like, you need to calm down, you need to calm down, it's okay, it's okay. And he gave me his annex and I calmed down. And I actually, I think that I fell asleep. And I fell asleep with my dad wiping my tears from my husband abandoning me. For the ninth time. Remember at the beginning of this episode when I told you that the mind fuck that this episode would bring is not for the week? Well, maybe you got a little bit of the taste of that, but here's where it gets crazy. This is the outro, but we're gonna do it a little bit differently. I had fallen asleep that night, Xanax-induced coma, cradled in my dad's arms, and I woke up around 10 o'clock that night to a bunch of text messages from my husband, and this is what they read. I fucked up. It's a tough pill to swallow, realizing I've been a jackass this whole time and I've been trying to rationalize so much and trying to defend so much of my own bullshit that you've been calling out and trying to help me with. I reply, you still left. He says, yes, but you made it a different thing than I was trying to make it. I was not trying to leave you after all of our talks, but I was still trying to go to Las Vegas. I said, you had a choice. And you made the wrong one. I was praying to God that I wouldn't wake up, but that if I did, it was to you shaking me and apologizing. We were headed there, you idiot. You have one opportunity to redeem yourself. I hope you can figure out what that is. Last one. He said, I have no idea what that was about, and I don't know what my one last opportunity to redeem myself would be in your eyes. I said, take some guesses. And he said, to buy your flight tomorrow, I would assume would be the one. I said, no, I'm not flying to Las Vegas without you. I told you that. He said, then coming back to Crystal Lake and picking, choosing, and loving you and saying sorry to your family for being dumb. I said, indeed. I said, my guess, based off facts, is that that won't happen. You prioritize fun, friends, and money over me, and that will never change. If I'm wrong, cool. But that's not an opinion, that's a fact. He said, What is a fact? My response that you prioritize fun, friends, and money over me. If you didn't, you wouldn't have let that plane take off with you on it. He said, I'm sorry for always making you feel like you are second fiddle and need to compete with everything and everyone for my love and attention and affection. I said, I could die tonight, tomorrow, Friday. Could you live with yourself knowing that you loved me as much as you did and ignored all of my love and outreach of help? Sorry, this is a little bit difficult. Um, because I think life's too fucking short to wait and see. Thanks for the apology. What do I do with that? He said, I agree. Life is too short. I replied, cuddle in my bed, in my puddle of tears. You have one opportunity to make this right. That is all. I love you with all my heart what's left of it anyways. I said, what made you realize you made a mistake? He said, I can't believe how fucking blind I have been to all of this the whole time. It makes me so sad. I reply, well, I'm glad you can maybe now realize how it makes me feel. He said, sad, sad stuff. I reply, competing for time with my own husband, movie night, gets up, Jerks off for a quick $50, my brain. Is time with me not worth more than $50? But I'm curious. What was the aha moment for you? He said, Obviously, I can't turn back around tonight. I will have to get my stuff and leave tomorrow. It was an epiphany of understanding. That just came upon me, most likely from your prayers. I said, That sounds good in theory. But I can't tell you that I believe you, Dick. I want to believe you so bad, and I hope you're telling the truth. Yeah, maybe they all eventually stop being backed up and arrived. He replied, I realized in a flash all of these people don't love me, but Amanda does. Like even Matt. Not that Matt not is necessarily evil or wants bad things for me, but to say that he has my best interest at heart is a laughable lie. I said, yes, laughable. But to ask if you have my best interest at heart seems like the truest and most sincere hope anyone has ever had for me. I replied, I hope that this can be fixed. I hurt so, so deeply. I feel broken. And he said, mostly because of your willingness to persevere as a united front beyond anything else. I reply, well, I'm glad you're finally seeing me and my love for what it is and what it can grow to. He says, Well, I think we are just barely getting the hang of things together. I reply, That's again true and previously stated. He says, And to pull the plug now would be costly in many ways and detrimental to all. Being sarcastic, I say, Same response as above. I feel sad for you that you couldn't see this whole time how pure my intentions were. That's why I cry the most. He said, I want to tell you a little story. He sends me a picture and it is a movie like playbill for the Nicolas Cage and T. Leone movie, The Family Man. And he says, you know this movie? And I said, yes, it's my favorite movie with Nicolas Cage. And I'm like, I think I'm the one that showed you this movie. So I really, I actually did think that I was. And he said, you're absolutely not, but that's not the fact. The fact that you say that it's your favorite is mind-blowing. He said, I've seen this a handful of times throughout the years, but the reason I bring it up is I've always watched this movie and I thought I was Nicolas Cage and that I never wanted to have such a boring, miserable life like he has to endure. I said, yep, makes sense. And I've always basically sided with the non-prevailing theory of the movie. Which is, of course, that him being in the suburbs with his wife and family, although not super glamorous, was still his and that it was worth more than the Ferrari and high rise. And I've always thought, that's such horseshit. And the irony is that I've been trying too hard to fight that off instead of just embrace all the love and joy I could feel by running on a hamster wheel towards nothing. I said, the funny thing is, it wouldn't be a hamster wheel. You're too smart for career monotony, but the rest is very true. He said, no, no, I mean the hamster wheel towards nothing is like chasing material things like a Ferrari and a high-rise. Sorry if I didn't say that properly. I replied, wife, family, warmth, security, babies, growth, love, abundance, faith is the reason. Not the fast car or biggest high-rise. He said, even being raised in the church and knowing the plan of salvation, I'm still like, eh, I don't know. I said, those things are nice, but they won't love you when you need it. You won't get to teach your designer suits how to play tennis and baseball. He said, Ferrari and nice house seems pretty good. I'm so fucking stupid. It's honestly so embarrassing, I have to laugh at myself, like as if I had something better to do with my life. I replied, I don't know what to say baby, I'm sorry, this epiphany is great, everything I've been trying to show you. He replies, it's just sad because I genuinely wanted to escape to go and find who knows what. I said it is really sad, we all make mistakes. He said, I can't believe I'm actually an idiot, and the worst part is, I thought I wasn't, that's so brutal. I said, I'm just glad this happened now and not in five years, I wouldn't be well. He replied, true. The crazy part is I was certain I was right. I said, I'm very much aware of that. It's been hard to watch and live. I mean, I watch you drive the train, but I'm on it, not from the sidelines. I don't want to cry anymore. I want you to feel safe and protected by you and your love for me and us. I said, my body physically feels like it has been carrying a boulder uphill for close to two years. He said, You can finally put that boulder down. I'm also embarrassed because I am clearly in love with you and have fought it so hard. Like, the most hard. I replied, yes. I am aware. I went to sleep that night feeling like my prayers for the past two years had been unleashed from some fictitious floodgate and that he heard them, he being God, he being Dick, I don't know. I felt like everything that I had been working so hard for him to realize, he was not only exclaiming to me, but calling himself out. For not seeing it and it's so it seemed so genuine um, and I really did close my eyes and I I slept well without a Xanax for the first time in weeks and he was supposed to get on a flight when he landed and turn right back around and um, that didn't happen It's not over yet, it's not over yet, it's not over yet, it's not over yet.